Welcome to another episode of Prada with Trey Vane for connoisseurs of casual conversation. Now, usually each week my guests and I will chit-chat about an obsession of theirs that captures their interests and their soul. But this episode, our guest is a household name who was once the most famous person on the planet and has touched all our lives. Miss Rona. Yep, y'all, Miss Kavisha got me again, but the grind never stops. And this week, Santa's not the only one who slays. Oh, honey, tuck in for a good time because we're taking a peekaroo into my most beloved show of all time. Yes, God, mama, let's get sickening. <coughs> oh, <good. laughs> Let's go. Okay, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Prattle with Trey Vane. Damn it, COVID done got me again. They got me, gal. COVID, yeah, this is my second time having COVID. Um, thankfully, it's not a crazy symptomatic situation, um, but it's actually so annoying. Actually, a point of recording, it's literally Christmas Eve, and I got it five days ago, and I've been like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to spend like COVID alone. I was like, actually stressed about it but thankfully i'm feeling good most thankfully i'm testing negative so i'm getting my ass on a train and getting out but had to do this episode before i meant it like uh, we missed a week super annoying but i a didn't even think about filming in my room which is so cool by the way we are in my house we're in my apartment it's actually funny that i also have a blue couch um sorry that the background's a little jank this is my little a movie wall. I went to like, I never decorate anything, so I went to decorate my wall. Tell me why I picked the darkest pictures known to man, like the darkest pictures in cinema. You can't see it, it's bad, whatever. I have to redo it. But, but I basically forgot that I have like a little studio in my house. So I am on my phone. I am recording on this mic. So we're going, we're hoping that everything's up to par. But uh, the quality is going to be a little bit different this week. But I really, really wanted to do this episode and I already wrote it out. So I was like, okay, might as well just go for it. Also, before we start, I just want to say, y'all, thank you so, 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 so much um, for the response on the first solo episode last week when I, well, not last week, but last episode when I talked about death and really shared my life story. So I really, really appreciate it. I've gotten like the best, most amazing response. Um, and I love y'all and I really appreciate it. Um, also, I always forget, please make sure to like and subscribe, rate this five stars, wherever you can hear me, wherever you're consuming this, please make sure to uh, give us the best of the best on the like, comment, subscribe situation, wherever you are. So... So, like, the last solo episode was, like, dark and heavy and, like, crazy. So, I knew I wanted this one to be, like, so fun. And I literally could not be more excited to fucking talk about the best thing in the world. So, today, we are talking about the best program on television. The best idea. The best, the single best idea anyone on this earth has ever had. Better than electricity. Better than your fucking sliced bread. Nothing beats Rue Paul's Drag Race, the best show in the queendom. Um, I love Drag Race so, so much. I'm a big fan of Drag Race. I was an instant fan of Drag Race. Um, and I am so excited to chat about it today. Um, okay, so Drag Race, right? For anyone out there who might not have seen it or might not have, uh, if you haven't delved deep into the art and the world of drag yet, why should you watch Drag Race? What makes it such an amazing show? It has everything. Like, it literally has everything, right? So it's like, it's a TV show, right? So you have like nice little weekly episodes of the last seasons, but glitz, there's glamour, there's drama, there's so much heart, there are human stories, there's triumphs, there are 
comeback kids. There are underdog stories. There are stories where someone walks in the door and you know they're going to crush the whole time and they do. There are fucking winners. There are people who know, like, people with a point of view. It just, it literally has everything. I'm obsessed with it. There's drama on the screen. There's drama off the fucking screen. The people have drama with each other. They have drama with production. Like, it's everything. Every single thing you need, they have. Also, one of the most glorious morsels about Drag Race is that when the mainline U.S. shows happening, the complete deluge, cascading waterfall of content that happens is the best thing ever because it's like, okay, Friday happens, right? The episode comes out. You get to watch the episode. The watch party is always so fun if you get to go to a bar or whatever. And the next day, the official recap. The uh, what you packing and pit stop. No, no, no. What, uh, pit stop's probably first, but like what you packing and pit stop come out. And then you hear uh, uh, a recap show and then you hear the eliminated queen. Then a couple days after that, you can get into your um, like drag race queen supplemental content uh, sort of all-stars. So you have your sibling watchery. So Bob Monet do a, a recap show. You have your race chasers. So Alaskan Mom do a recap show. You have your, I like Deja analysis. Deja does the lip syncs after. I love Nina's Raw View. She's a little problematic, but I love her. We're also, ooh, earmark that. We are going to talk about problematicness and the drag community. That's a big part of the conversation. But I just love all the little different things. Like after you watch the episode, the show, you have content coming out literally every day that's about the same thing. And I just, I love tucking into a piece of content. Like, I just love when, just total obsession. So Drag Race really fucking helps with that. But even beyond that, like, I, like I said, I like to delve, like, deep into, like, the content holes and the content, like, like whirlpools. But I am actually not that uh, quick to become a fan for, especially TV shows. Um, I stand. Like, I sing a lot of music. Like, I'll be into a music artist with knowing only two songs. Like, um, I watch a lot of movies all the time. But I am not adventurous or very um, intimate. That's the wrong word. But I'm like, I don't have a lot of TV shows that I love a lot. Um, or, or just say that I don't love a lot of TV shows a lot. I have, a, like, a few throughout my life where, like, I find a TV show and it becomes, like, my everything. So it's just very special. And Drag Race is one of those things. And I think it was one of those things because... It was like Road to El Dorado. Like when I like saw Drag Race, it was like, oh my God, like there's this entire new world out there that I'd never experienced before. And obviously part of why people love Drag Race so much is because it is like the first little gateway into gay life for like queer life. Not gay life. I'll say specifically gay men life because again, we'll get into it more. Drag Race also has a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of, it's, it's, it's definitely a program designed by and for the cis gay male gays. Um, G-A-Z-E and G-A-Y-S. Hello. Um, <laughs> and um, so, but like, you know, uh, as a cis gay man, when I found the show, I was like, like literally like a fucking cheat sheet of gay culture right there. And when I first started watching the show, my favorite thing to do was like every time they would make a reference, every single little reference, I would pause the show, I would get on my little phone and I would Google everything. And that literally is how I've learned so much of my foundational queerness. Like it's how I learned about Stonewall. It's how I learned about like, especially terms, like all of like every word they've ever said that I was like, wait, what the hell? I remember it like took me like two years to even understand what trade means. Obviously now I realize that like people misuse the words a lot. Um, but it was just so exciting and so amazing. And I like, I was so delighted when I first found it. And like that, that discovery, that, that, uh, that sort of air of discovery is so exciting. I think I still feel that. That's why like I love Drag Race so much. In line with, um, drag race being the first queer touch point for a lot of people that brings up a lot of problems i don't think they're real problems but that people end up having a lot of problems with that because because i think what's ended up happening is when it first came out right like i think it's kind of like in waves like the first wave of drag race was like season one through season five right that's like the people who really knew about drag were into it it was truly like a drag queen show uh, right. And then I would say season five and six is when it started to really break into just general gay culture. So I started watching season five and I, um, I'm, I'm sure I just saw 
like enough gifs and enough that's how i watch any tv show i'm sure i was on tumblr and in middle school or high school and i saw enough gifs or enough funny clips that i was like, okay i have to see what the show is about and um season five was the first season that i watched um and is the greatest season it is still my favorite season it is the be- it is literally the best season like Jinx Monsoon, Relaska, Toxic, it's just the best. We know this. Coco Montrese, Alyssa Edwards, come on. Okay, so that's like the first phase. And I think like season six through season uh, nine, very short phase, but also a very distinct phase where I think a lot of younger people were starting to come in and um, it was starting to become like the true beast that it is. And then season nine on when it went to VH1, it's just like obviously a whole new ball game. So I feel like, in the it was in the first like era, right? It was just seen as like the, this great, amazing landmark show that it is. And the second era, that's when I think I started. I think that's when the fandom started, like from season seven to nine, is when the fandom started to gain like a real deep consciousness. This is like when all stars were starting out. This is when like the show started becoming like so 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 self-referential so sometime somewhere in this sort of second era of drag race is when i think i started noticing a lot of the um what's the word i'd say overcriticalness that i think the drag race experiences so i think drag race is a very loaded show it's a very important show um like and I think that in recent years, people have been just weirdly and annoyingly, like, really dismissive about its impact and its, like, uh, reach. And I think it's actually because the show got so big and massive and influential that people can't, like, handle it. So that's, that's kind of what I was saying about it being a queer touch point. Because in the beginning, I feel like it was, like, such a beautiful, people all thought it was a great, amazing uh necessary queer touch point and now i feel like people are kind of villainizing drag race as like oh like it's not doing the work that it needs to do in terms of all the communities in the queer community oh it's like uh basically it's like it's perpetuating all these bad watered down queer stereotypes and that kind of stuff um, I think one of the main instances is the conversation in recent times about noging. Now, let me be very clear. I am not a member of the ballroom community and I'm not a member of the drag community. So this is just as a observer. So I'm not, you know, the judge, jury, and the executioner. But um, in the, as the world has gotten a wave of ballroom culture being pushed forward and celebrated we love um that's obviously came to drag race and in the recent couple seasons there have been a lot of drama between different queens specifically it's last season season 15 this queen anitra who is this amazing dancer um and she got really famous her like signature move uh on the first episode they do a talent show and her talent number had like this line that was like, you better walk that fucking duck. And she was duck walking. And if you're unfamiliar with Drag Race, <laughs> the rule is if something hits, you will see it. If something hits once, you will see it for the rest of your fucking life. You know what I mean? Like it's, you can tell immediately in the show now it has like this, they have like uh, a system of trying to make these little moments happen. And when they do, whatever. Anyway, so this was a moment. Everyone loved Walking the Duck. So basically the whole season was, people kept talking about Walking the Duck and every time Anitra had the opportunity to, you best believe she walked that fucking duck. And (laughs) she got uh, Aja, who is an iconic queen from season nine. Season nine. Um, And Aja is an actual member of the ballroom community and basically called out Anitra for no gang, which is bad voguing essentially. Um, and Vanessa Hudgens came on the show at one point and she was like, I'm just so into voguing right now. So basically like there was a point where everyone was like, "Ugh, drag race is like drag race is perpetuating like, uh, incorrect information about the ballroom community. Okay. Y'all let's think about this. Right. So this is interesting, right? Now that drag race has come to a place where it is so mainstream, it's just mainstream, right? Drag race now is played with all of these types of in my opinion, small arguments, they don't mean that much in the sense that like the the charge is that, oh, drag race is irresponsibly presenting the ballroom community. community. I don't really see that. Like drag race is putting it on TV and then I think it's up to you 
to do the work to like figure that out later. You know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of gonna be the through line of like all, how what I think about all of the controversies of Drag Race, um, because I think Drag Race is far less problematic than a lot of people like to paint it as, and I think it gets just fucking reamed with criticism because it's like the biggest thing and it's like kind of the only well it's not really the only thing but it is the only it's like the biggest most lasting living queer contribution like in the past 20 years like is that wrong like let me think about that outside of music right music is its own thing but there's no other more impactful tv show queer tv show so i think that's why it gets all of the heat because it's like, is it perfect? No. Is it sinister? Absolutely not. And I feel like people have this, like, idea that it's, like, the sinister thing that's, like, just, like, bad faith queers just making money just to make money. Which I don't think so. But also, I do, let's be real, it is a show and a business, so I'm not, like, you know, I don't. And that's the other thing that, like, oh, that's the thing that makes me, like, so angry about how sometimes people interact with Drag Race. Like, sometimes they, they treat it as, like, it's this, like, non-profit charity for like wayward queer youth when it's literally a competition reality tv show like it's a produced competition tv show and i think that's why a lot of the critiques of drag race like just are invalid because people are asking it to be something that it's not it's literally just a tv show like they people act like rue needs to be mother Teresa, like looking after every single one of the contestants where it's like no rue is just the ceo rue signs the checks rue signs off whether you're on the show or not like that's rue's job and i think rue does a really really great job at it and it's like i really don't mean to be like a rupaul apologist because like rue has absolutely in drag race they've absolutely made some uh incredible missteps like one of them one of the most glaring ones being that it was a show that was not kind to uh, trans performers at all. There was like a segment that had a very transphobic name that they eventually swapped out. And RuPaul, like, uh, at one point came on record being like, oh, like, I, I don't want trans women uh, performers on the show because it ruins the illusion. So Ru's definitely made some left comments about uh, the trans community um, that I think that, you know, Ru has addressed and has more than addressed, like, just with words, has shown his commitment because um, he, well, <laughs> he did try at first to do a little apology, but he tweeted out um, this, like, green and yellow flag, and someone was like, what flag is that? And then uh, through some sleuthing, people realized that he Googled trains flag instead of trans flag, and that there's some sort of green and yellow. So that was bad. That's awful. But I think um, in the recent... Like, consistently in the recent um, seasons, RuPaul has um, shown his commitment to uplifting and celebrating trans performers, most notably uh, being Sasha Colby, being the winner of the last season. All the critique is invalid, but I really do feel very deeply, very strongly that um, so much of the critique is people unfairly discounting RuPaul's contribution to queer culture and culture in general. Like... I really, we will not be able to understand and see and feel and grasp the effects that drag race has had on society, like, until we're gone. You know what I mean? Like, thinking about how much it changed, like, I, I think about something even so simply as, like, drag race made drag queens cool. Which isn't even that simple. Like, it was, like, that's, like, a really massive thing. And now it's, like drag queens on daytime TV and drag queens on, like, collabing with famous YouTubers and drag queens and, like, country stars music videos. Like, the, the, and also, like, the effects are crazy and, like, we won't be able to trace it. So that's why I feel like I get so intense when people try to be like, oh, RuPaul's just some old broad, like, you know, who didn't do anything. It's like, can you, like, we can't even imagine because we have this great gift of drag race. We actually can't imagine how crazy it is to think that, like, uh, uh, a person who is a drag queen could host a show and become the most winningest host in Emmy's history being a drag. Like, that's actually, that's so crazy. That's so crazy. And that's my mother. Like, that's, Rue fucking did that. Okay? RuPaul did that. And, again, with the show that keeps giving, like, it produces 
further icons who do things further down the line. So, like, the show has produced people like Bob the Drag Queen, Trixie Mattel, Sasha Velour. Like, those three people alone are changing drag every day. Like, so, like, every time people try to be like, RuPaul doesn't do anything for the queer community, RuPaul doesn't uh, contribute or isn't, like, I don't know, like, isn't literally a living legend and one of the best, like, queer icons we have living working today it really grinds my gears because when rue dies i know it's like rue's gonna be immortalized like people like it's just people are gonna get it then but motherfuckers need to get it now because rupaul is still one of the funniest most exciting interesting entertainers on the planet and doing it at 60 plus baby um i love rupaul so much like rue is like actually my everything like rue is my like sometimes on tiktok when i post videos people be like will call me RuPaul and I that is like literally makes my day every single time it happens it also makes my day that people don't say like fat RuPaul I feel like like, like on TikTok people like to be like nasty and shady so I'm glad people just say like RuPaul like you ain't slick so I, I, I do appreciate that like we gotta give RuPaul her wax but we gotta give her flowers like and I think she's taken the wax and I think she's like changed. I really don't think she's that problematic anymore. Like she has not been that problematic for like a couple of years in my opinion. But that, I'm, I'm a bad barometer of problematicness though because I'm a fan of celebrity in general. And I feel like when you're just a fan of like people who do things, I don't know, like when you're just a fan of famous people or you're just a fan of fame in general, like I just have a low bar for what someone can do that will piss me off, honestly. I don't know if that is, like, a good thing or a bad thing, because I do think people are, like, overly... I think people jump the gun a lot. Like, I feel like a lot of things can be situations, not, like, defining moments, and I feel like everyone tries to make every situation a defining moment when it's not. Like, sometimes it can be like, oh, this person did this weird, like, weird thing. But it's honestly just about... You have to have what you like, what you don't like. You have to have things that you accept you don't accept. And when people cross those... You have to cross them from yourself. But, like, I don't think that... I don't really believe in any widespread sort of, like... This is not to comment on cancel culture, by the way. I also have... I say this thing, like, I always... I think I've said it on the podcast before, but I have this thing. I, like, call it, like, my secret Republican beliefs. And, like, my secret Republican tendencies, like, really jump out when it comes to famous people. Like, I... I just won't get that mad. I just won't get that mad and I won't get that hurt when someone does something problematic. Like, I I really... I, I don't. I also don't think that... I think we're also past the point in society where it's, like... I think we're at a point, and this is kind of... Maybe we're not because, like, obviously, like, never rely on the intelligence of others, but... We're at a point in life now where everyone knows what, like, people know. You know what I mean? Like, people know when they do things that are messy. People know when they're doing something wrong. So I think that's why I'm less, like, intense about, you have to correct this. Like, we have to call this person out. Because it's like, everyone knows. Like, when people, like, say crazy stuff or when people mess up a little bit, like, they know. So I'm, like, not that mad about it. Because also most of the time people are pissing people off to make money. So I just don't see the point of being that pissed off when someone does something that wrong. Like, obviously, if someone's, like, racist or... Actually, not even obviously, but, like, even, like, if someone's, like, racist or nasty, I feel like I can just be like, okay, that person's racist and nasty and move on. Like, I don't need... I don't need that much... I don't need, like, their world to crumble for me to, like, feel like that. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Because not that anyone really gets consequences anyway, but that's neither here nor there. RuPaul's a perfect angel and I love him. <laughs> Also, something about RuPaul that I love, like, the story. I, I'm obsessed. I'm a sucker for a good rags to riches. Truly, like, I wanted to be famous and I made it kind of story. And RuPaul really has that. Like, he started out in Atlanta doing, like, really, like, gender fuck drag. He was a part of this, like, um, alternative rock band called Wee Wee Pole. Then just made a name for himself in Atlanta. And then he just moved to New York City. And then made a name for himself in New York City. And then obviously, like, was a recording art. He still is a recording artist. And just, it's just so cool to think about, like, the gall, the vision, the determination, the um, just life force it takes to try to make it work and work and work and work for something and not even get your biggest moment until you're in your 50s like that is so inspiring to me and RuPaul like RuPaul had like everyone always says that RuPaul had like a moment in the 90s and hibernated and then came back for Drag Race um but like 
yeah, I just, I just really respect her so much. I, if you ever have time on YouTube, oh my gosh, just type in like RuPaul 80s like vlog basically. And he was friends with this guy named Nelson who, um, literally pioneered vlog, which is so cool to think, right? Like this was in New York City in the 80s. No internet, no like texting, like, uh, and Nelson was just these, was in this bohemian like artist space where, um, they were all living in New York City and like all just like being young artists in the truest sense of the word, like with no, that's also what part of the, uh, I'm like getting carried away. Basically Nelson, long story short, Nelson, uh, who's friends with RuPaul and Lady Bunny and a lot of drag artists in the 80s was like pioneering vlogging, was like had his little camcorder and would be like, okay, we're going out tonight and like would interview people about what they're doing and just like follow people around. The most compelling videos ever, like ever. I can just like sit there and just like gawk and like stare because it's like RuPaul and this like, you know, making like, I don't know, $40 a night and like this is one video and he, he's like in this fucked up blonde wig and like his little cliffhanger shoes and he was like Nelson I let the men touch me isn't that horrible and like but it's also it's like it's, it's a couple like it's cool because it's like wow like first of all New York in the 80s just seems so literally like literally seems like there was no other place no other time that was like that it just seems so interesting um it seemed really gay like everything just seemed very gay like I think obviously because it was like more intense to be it was just like ugh just seemed like it was a good gay old time. Um, obviously, the 80s was crazy to be gay. And, you know, there was all these other stuff. But, it, you know, like, and then it's like, Rue is just so, like, unpolished and rough. And, like, rough in the sense of, like, she's so gorgeous, obviously. But she's just, like, grinding, hustling, and, like, making that money. And, yeah, it's, those are, like, some of the, those are the real, like, those are the best videos ever. And there's so many of them. And, like, and it's not just RuPaul. Like, it's just, like, other people who are young and cool. Michael, like, Michael Musto is in there sometimes. Like, it's just it's just a cool glimpse, um, slice of life into New York City gay life in the 80s. Like, it's just so cool. And seeing RuPaul in that light made me just, like, really respect her, like, ten times more. Like, I respect RuPaul so much because RuPaul is a worker. Like, RuPaul is, like, a... Also, I think RuPaul shares a very similar, like... No excuse. I think she has a very similar life view to me because she shares about how through the 80s and 90s, um, she struggled a lot with substance abuse and like, you know, every jug under the sun kind of vibe and like had this big near-death experience and that really changed her and she's been sober for like a really, really long time. And um, when you watch Drag Race, she has a lot of, uh, there's a lot of time for Rue to speak to Honestly, only the winners, like only the people who make it far in the competition. But um, she has every season they have the Tic Tac Lunch where it's like basically the final four have a sit down interview with RuPaul and Michelle. And in these interviews, these are like really some of my favorite parts of the show because Rue gets to share her point of view and her like where she's coming from in life. And she has the most interesting, most amazing, solid advice ever. And it's kind of funny because I think the, the joke is that she doesn't like... Because uh, she did one little, what's it called, ad for Masterclass. And she goes, if you want people to take you seriously, wear a suit. <laughs> um, and so people always make fun of, like, the suit thing. But um, RuPaul's a realist. And I feel like I respond to her well because I'm also, like, not in the technical term, but, like, in, like, the secret Republican behavior term where Ru, people will come on the show and they'll falter and they'll fail. And they'll always have some sort of excuse that's like, well, when I was young or, you know, I just wasn't, there's any excuse, right? And RuPaul, like my mom and like me, don't do excuses. Like, like RuPaul's advice is always like, think about what you want in life and just get it. Like RuPaul always talks about being happy in life. RuPaul always talks about not taking yourself too seriously and just doing it. And I love that. And like, I really like, really respond to that. And you can see that in Rue. And that's like, and also you can see that's the only reason why RuPaul is the biggest drag queen who's ever lived. And that's the reason why RuPaul is the most influential drag queen who ever lived because Rue's about that action. Rue's about that fucking business, bitch. And I love her for that. I love her for that. Honestly, to get a little spicy, and I think it's something, that point of view, that outlook, it's something that the queer community needs. Because I think that... 
And less so now. I will say less so now. I feel like this was mostly like a 2010s moment uh, into 2020. But I feel like COVID changed a lot. But I am not... <laughs> I'm not here for the Tinder queer bullshit. Like I, like I, of course, if, if it's... I don't care and I have no uh, angst against people if that's just who they are. But the Tinder queer, like... How do, like you know, like that that like that queer person who's like, and again, I don't want it to sound mocking because I feel like there's a time and space for this, and it and it feels like a disposition that comes out of trauma. But that sort of like, oh, like my soft BB, like I love you, like let's take like our time, like whatever you need, like let me know what you need, like um, if you need space to like process, like I I just like it's something about that. It's just like what's the opposite of like scratching an itch? Like it just. Ugh, like it makes me a little bit mad and I think that Rue is very like like the tender queerness like doesn't affect Rue either and I feel like that's why I like her and her show and her her um, responses because a lot of people just like to like just get up there and like just cry and whine about things they can change and like Rue just doesn't have it and like I love I love that about Rue I do like uh, one of the things that happens a lot on the show um <laughs> from the fandom is that um, there's like every year there's like one queen who gets like bullied like with an inch of their life, literally like literally bullied with an inch of their life. And that's awful. And that's horrible. That's sickening. That's awful. That's bad. It shouldn't happen. It's actually on the fans. So I don't know why people also act like that's like a drag race thing. It's like, uh, why don't you like, like, like the drag race fans will be like so nasty and awful and be like drag race you do nothing to support the queens. Like, no, they, like what, like that's on you. Like, like the hell, what the fuck does like a bunch of grown ass people on the internet like being rude to someone have to do with drag race? Like, I don't, like whatever. But, but there's always going to be a queen that's like super, super, super disliked. And I feel like the twin, the tender queer, like drag race fan response is always like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like I wasn't so mean to you. But like the RuPaul realist response is like, Okay, kid, like, you know, you got on TV, it didn't go well, like, hit the road, be gracious to everyone you meet, and, like, just change your image. Like, I don't know. And, like, I just feel like that's, like, like that tender queer versus RuPaul realist split, I think, is where a lot of the tension in the fandom comes from. But I'm team RuPaul all the way. But like I said, I'm not a drag queen. I haven't been on TV yet. But, so I, I don't know. Like, it, I, I'm sure it's harder than just hit the pavement girl but that outlook can't hurt so i do know that um even though like i said i am not a drag queen i am a burgeoning queen i am a baby queen um i actually did drag for my birthday and i was like for the first time and i was thinking i was like okay i'm turning 27 when awkward fucking year um and i didn't know what to do and i was kind of like Ugh, i'm kind of over the whole um dinner and drinks kind of thing it was fun but i just wanted to do something different i wanted to like do like an, i wanted to have an event i wanted to be like fun and fresh i just wanted to switch it up so i was like oh my god i should do drag and i was like okay perfect and i was like well i'm not gonna just like dress up and like go to a club like that's just kind of weird like i don't know i wanted to be like something and i, I wanted to perform and i really want to perform because i think that drag is truly the coolest, most involved, most personal art form. Like, I, I do not, I cannot think of, like, something else that is that beautifully you. And, like, you get to control everything. And it's, like, it really is so intoxicating because it's, like, you get to, like, microdose pop stardom. Like, it's so cool. So I was really excited. And so I decided that I was going to into a competition because I'm a I'm a banded ripper. So I wanted to hit hit the pavement, beat my face, and perform for the first time. And it was so fucking crazy and so stressful. I literally was like, I was about to cancel it. Cause I was like, I also was like, okay, since it's gonna be like just in a bar, I'm just gonna invite like everyone I fucking know. So I was like, whatever, like I'm just gonna put the feelers out there, like whoever cares. Ended up sending out the feeler 83 people were like yes i'll be there and i was like oh my god so i was so 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 nervous and i made my own mix and i made a cool the mix was um we started off with welcome to my island the charlie xcx remix um and because i'm a new york queen i was like okay i need to um have like 
some spoken word in there. Also, for if you're not like a intense drag fan, drag has loose geographical stylings. So like the idea and the joke, not the joke, but it's like, it's just like a tendency, but it's not 100%, but like New York queens love like that, like when you like the adding a spoken word piece in the middle of the number. So it's like music, music, music. And then it's like, you know, a scene from something or a famous monologue or something. Uh, the LA queens are like more of the look queens who like don't perform again. This is, there are so many people, queens who defy all these in all these cities, but LA girls are the look girls. Like the Florida girls are like the pageant drag. So it's like, so I was like, I wanted to be a New York queen. I had to have some, so I was like, welcome to my island. Um, I had a scene from Love and Hip Hop, the, um, are you fucking my man? Yes, I am. Absolutely every single night, that one. Um, the, I had New York's monologue, I want my eggs cracked, meaning I want a child. I want, I want my name dropped, meaning I want to be married. Um, so fun. And what are the songs? Love and War, Tamar Braxton. Oh, Fucking love that song. And then we, oh, Noelle um, by Caliuchis because, oh, also my drag name, which I'm, everyone loved. My drag name is Mia Moore. Mia Moore. So I had to put, and I speak Spanish. Thank you very much. I took Spanish uh, for 11 years. So I do speak Spanish. So I had to put a Spanish language song in there to let people know that I know what I'm doing. And then we ended it off with the best, the iconic, the super bass. So it was the best night of my fucking life. Like, it literally was the best night of my life. Um, I, like, uh, the day came around. I didn't have any shoes. Because I actually bought, wait, oh my gosh, I have props. I started off with these because I wanted to be Miss Pussy. Like, I wanted to be a, these, like, little strappy black stilettos. I just wanted to be the girl... I put them on. It was so scary. I put them on. I didn't put them on until the night before. Um, I'm a last minute kind of bitch. But I didn't put them on until the night before. I stood up literally like it was as if I didn't have one bone in my body. Like my legs went to jelly. I couldn't. I was like, I got scared because it was like my like, it felt like my legs shut off. Like it just, and my legs were like wobbling. It was crazy. So I was like, Am I about to do this drag number in my fucking vans? Like, I was like, what the hell? Like, I was so stressed. I couldn't believe I couldn't walk. I, I like, literally couldn't believe I couldn't walk them. I was like, what the hell? But the day of, I was like, oh, I have to do something. So, like, I uh, ran into Midtown and I had, I got these um, Mary Jane platforms. And um, I did the number with these. So, it was really exciting. I was, like, getting ready. It was, um, it was a Monday night, too, because I had to just find a competition that just lets you walk up and do it so i it was monday night and i was like getting ready and i was <laughs> i was like so late i was running late but then i show up to the bar and i'm in this like i'm i'm in black in one wig by the way okay we'll get into that later but i'm in this black uh curly uh, ringlet hair no not ringlet i don't know what the words curly hair <laughs> this black curly hair I'm in this gorgeous purple like satin situation and I remember I walked into the bar and it's it was at Pieces Bar in New York and it's not big and this is my first time being in Pieces and I was like I wonder how all these people are going to fit in the bar. The answer is they didn't. Uh, we, I walk in, the bar is fucking packed. Like there's no place to move. Like there's no, like you have to scoot, like to go to point any two points in the bar, you have to like scoot. It's literally packed to the brim. And then I started looking around and I'm like, oh my God, like <gasps> these are like my friends. And it was just, it was so amazing, y'all. I can't, I literally can't overstate this enough. We packed out the fucking bar. Like it was us. It was us and Randos. It was amazing. And I saw all of my friends. I saw everyone. And it was like, ah, uh, I'm just like, it was it was the like in it. It was the craziest moment. Every second, I was just like, I can't even believe I'm doing this. But I looked good. Like I looked good. Um, I went to Mac to get my eye makeup done because I couldn't figure that out yet, and I didn't like. I didn't like cover my brows. I just used my brows. But I looked good and I looked pretty, and everyone thought I looked pretty, and it was so nice, and it was like so much fun. Um, and then I went to the back, and then I went into the back, and I just the dressing room was so fucking scary i was so scared for no reason obviously i just was like i don't know i was just i felt so new i felt so green 
Hang on, I've, I did meet some cool girls and I'm still following them, um, but I like didn't spend any time in the back because I was like just so nervous and embarrassed. Um, and then I sort of, I we, we came out and, and like, y'all, I'm talking about like my, like my cousin was there. My besties were there. People who I was like kind of close with at NYU were there. Uh, my people brought their friends. My coworkers came. My fucking boss came. Like, it was so crazy. And then uh, eventually it was my time to perform um, mind you, again, it's Monday night, and at this point, it's, like, midnight. So I'm, like, feeling, like, so bad, because I told people it was gonna be, like, 8.30. I didn't know, I didn't know how it was all gonna, I didn't know the timing myself, so. Um, but I got up on that stage, I remember, I was, like, behind the curtain, I was just, like, it was, like, because I had been a fan, think about this, like, I had been a fan of Drag Race since I was, I don't know, oh my god, like, 10 years, yeah, since I was, like, 16, 17, so it was, 10 years. Wow, that's my, wow, it was 10 years of absolute obsession of enam being enamored, of be of respecting the art form. 10 years of that. And I finally was going to try it. And I, I only, like, there wasn't a real, like, it wasn't like I was afraid to try drag. Well, that's not true. I was kind of afraid to try drag um, because, like I said, or maybe I haven't said, but um, I was just not, like, my sexuality in my family is, like, kind of weird, because I'm, like, all, I'm just like this, but I've never, like, said I was gay, but I never, like, felt like the need to say I was gay, and I was, like, my aunt follows me on Instagram, and I was, like, oh, like, I know she's gonna, like, see me in drag, but I was, like, you know what, I'm 27, I literally can't, I don't have any, I don't have enough energy to, to, like, uh, adjust myself anymore, so I was, like, okay, I'm just gonna, like, post it, spoiler alert, I posted it, and, like, that was kind of the last... Wait, I have to get to that. I have to get to that because I have to get to the whole thing. Um, but spoiler alert, it was good. And, okay, so I'm behind the curtain and they're like, I hear my music. And I remember, like, I opened the curtain and it was just like, ah! Like, my friend's faces was like, it was the best. Like, I, I was just like, oh my God, I felt like such a little superstar. And I did a whole mix. Like, they said you can do up to five minutes and I made my own mix and I did the whole five minutes. And it was just the best. Like, I don't, in the moment, I don't, I, I wasn't there. Um, oh, I'm <laughs> glossing over the whole thing. So I'm a baby queen, right? And I had been watching Drag Race for 10 years. So I kind of thought, like, I knew everything. And so I kind of thought I was ready. And then when I was getting ready, I was like, oh my gosh, there's actually so many more steps I forgot. And <laughs> basically, yeah, the music starts. I'm killing it. I'm hitting it. I... I'm doing like the little number, like in the, I'm doing the little moment in the beginning, and then I like Welcome to My Island Bitch has this moment. It's like Welcome to My Island Bitch. And I was okay, perfect. I was like, I'm gonna hit it. So I'm like, stare, 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 stare. Welcome to my island bitch. Wah, wah, woo! Immediately like slip on my dress. That was like the first slip. From that point on, there was a faux pas that happened every five seconds. But but like, everything came undone. Like, wig fell off five, six times. No joke. Like, every time, like, gone. Mind you, Mr. I know everything about drag. Tell me why. What was on my head? I had taken clear tape. I have hair. Taking clear tape. I just did this. Boom, boom, boom. To clip it into. Put the wig on. That's, it got to be. I'm performing. Full on. Like, and it just was not enough. And it, I knew that immediately. And I was like, oh, God. The, honestly, the most embarrassing part was as soon as it came off, the first point, I was like, it's uh, like the queens probably saw. They were like, why does this girl have no fucking wig cap on and just clear it? Girl. Anyways. <laughs> so that came out. Um, the way that my dress was, they had like little spaghetti straps. Again, baby queen we're learning. Uh, titties out. Like just out. Like I don't know at what, what point they came out or how long they were out. Um, no, I do. I saw the video. Titty's just out, girl. And it's so funny and so beautiful because my entire life, like, literally my entire life, like, I will, like, I'm never shirtless, like, ever. That's, like, my one thing. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not insecure, like, about almost anything. Um, but, like, I, I just, I don't ever, like, I'm not, like, uh, like, when I hook up with people, by the way, like, I, like, take my shirt off. It's not like that. Like, when it's the time, I don't mind. But, like, the idea of my friends, like, a casual chat, like, no, none of that. 
Um, so he would have told me before I started that, that my, ch- I exposed my chest to my entire friends and my boss. I would have literally died and never done it. But when it happened, I think, cause it was like the context. I was just like, uh, <laughs> I was just like, oh no, me oh my, oh me oh my. But <laughs> so that was, it actually like kind of helped and cured my fear of that. I was, I mean, don't ask me to take my shirt off for you right now, unless you're going to fuck me. But, um, but that was, that was kind of nice. Um. Yeah, and then, so, we get the number. But, like, I'm saying, all these things are going wrong. But, like, I'm, like, I'm still giving it, girl. I'm still in it. And I think it made people love it even more. And it was, like, kind of the perfect... It was the perfect first performance. Because it showed that I had gusto. And, like, one of my coworkers brought her cousin or her friend. And she said after... Um, well, first she said that my boss really respected when my titties came out. <laughs> my hair came off and I kept going. Um, but then she said her friend was like, now that's a performer. And that's what people could say all night. That, so the people I didn't know in the bar, I will say, were so nice to me. And like, were like, everyone loved, it was the, it was the performance of the night. Everyone loved the performance. Everyone loved the performance. And then after it was over, it was a whole competition. And it was like a audience applause thing. And obviously I had like three fourths of the audience. So I made it to top two. And, um, I was so nervous though. Cause the other girl in top two, she was the nicest girl to me. A. Um, Cinnamon, I think that's her name. Um, she was the nice girl and she was literally incredible. She did like, uh, she did, uh, what was it? Yeah, she was, uh, did like a beautiful part of your world number into like a, it was, she was actually incredible. And so I was nervous that like, because we got down to the final two and you can tell there's some people in the bar who like didn't want me to win. Cause like I, my performance literally was not as good as hers. Like my performance was like, you know, it was, it was, it was something to see, you know, don't miss it. But it was not like a winning performance. And we were down to the final two and they eventually were like, okay, like Sin, you're the winner because they like, they did like the applause thing and I clearly got more applause. But then the host was like, okay, Sin, you're the winner. But Mia for packing out the bar and bringing everyone because at some point, oh, I forgot, I forgot. I'm walking before I even perform, right? We walk in, we're treated to a treat of a lifetime. Katie Muse, Luxor in London, happened to be in the room. Their drag daughters are doing a show. They came through. I'm just chilling. I had been in the building for about only like 30 minutes. So I hadn't seen everyone. I was just walking around. I hear on the mic, Candy Muse. I do a bad Candy Muse. Oh, I hear we have a birthday tonight. I don't I don't do a good Candy Muse. Um, I hear we have a birthday in the in the in the building today. I'm like, oh, birthday today. Because it wasn't my actual birthday. It was like, I was like, oh, someone's birthday's today. I hear Candy Muse. Candy Muse starts going, Happy birthday to you. I'm like, oh, happy birthday. And then I'm like, she's looking at me. I'm like, wait, is she looking at me? See you. I'm like, ah. And then she goes, happy birthday, Mia Moore. Ooh! Candy Muse. Icon legend star Candy Muse saying Mia Moore, happy birthday. That set it off. I was like, oh my God. That was amazing. The performance was amazing. The handsome men touch up on my hips during the night was amazing. It was just a fun, fun night. And... I got tipped down, the girls tipped down, obviously because it was a birthday show and I had like collected all the money and I went into the back, <laughs> into the fucking dressing room and I walk in. Okay, also, uh, by the way, the, the queens were, I was so like weird and nervous because uh, <laughs> when I first came, the queens go, are you the girl whose birthday it is? I'm like, yeah, because Katie Muse had just like happy birthday to me and they knew it was a applause-based show and they're like oh so you brought all the friends so you're the one who's gonna win tonight like so there was always there was already some energy and i come back and i have like literally like hundreds of literally hundreds of ones (laughs) and i walk into all the girls are like just mad just stank and i was trying to like they were in a bunch i was trying to like flatten them out and count them in the back but i got so nervous because they were like staring daggers so i just shoved all the ones in my makeup bag and gave my makeup back to my friend and was like just keep this (laughs) it's like get it later because i was so nervous but i will never be punked in a dressing room again by the way um but i was just nervous it was my first time i had to like focus on it but um like i said yeah it was like it really was the best day of my life and like the next day when i was on the train going to work i just started crying because i was like oh like i finally done something that i had been thinking about and wanting to do for so fucking long 
And um, I just did. And I, and I finally got... And then to think... To have that much anticipation and to have it to be, like, the best thing ever, it was truly so special. Like I said, with my family, I was, like, so nervous. And I had told my mom before. I just said, like, literally the day before, I was like, by the way, I'm doing Drive Home Road Day. Like, I was just so nervous. And she was like, oh, interesting. And then my aunt... Um, left a really nice comment. My cousin, who was like, like uh, a straight basketball star, he left a really nice comment too. And then my mom eventually saw it. So it was cool. It was cool. So it's like, it just feels amazing now to know that, I don't know, like my family doesn't care that much. And not that it really wouldn't matter that either way, because like, you know, I'm 27. I'm going to do it if I need to, but if I want to. But it does feel nice to know that it doesn't have to be like this weird thing. And it can be like, you know, something exciting and something that they like, like seeing. So I'm literally 2024. I want so much more drag. I've, I have, I, I buy a lot. Like I have like three pairs of shoes. I have like six dresses. I have like four wigs. I have it. So um, it's just about getting out there more and making a name for myself. Um, so Mia Moore will be winning Drag Race within the next five years. And I'm really excited for that. But yeah, I just feel like there is this incredible, immense magic in drag. You feel like fully yourself, but also fully like a superhero. You feel like you can be anything, anyone, but you're just the best version of yourself, which I think is like the most beautiful part about it. So I love, I love drag. I love drag. I'm obsessed with it. It's my fave, and I am so happy I did it, and I can't wait to do it even more. And I'm so happy to be in the age of RuPaul's fucking Drag Race. Like, this is the best show in the world. Um, I feel, I literally feel like I, I, I couldn't even, like, breach a 2% of everything I needed to say. Like, we'd even get to all the drag queens that I love. But um, I... Yeah, I hope you watched Drag Race if you haven't before. And I hope to see you at a Mia Moore show with a $5 tip in your hand. Thank you very much. Catch y'all on the next episode of Prado. Be sure to like and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll catch you later. With love, without COVID. Trey. Back rolls. It's dry. Kind of like your vagina, mama. Oh, hey. I'm not joking, bitch. You better walk that fucking duck. Gag them a bit. For sure, there's always time for a cocktail. Let me ask you a very valid question. What do you do successfully? Quickly. She left me at a bus stop. I think about you often in the mornings at the bus stop. Wrong queen, mom. You're perfect. You're beautiful. You look like Linda Evangelista. I'd like to keep it on, please. Hi. Well, what you want to do is not necessarily what you're gonna do. Oh, Kennedy, Kennedy. Is that a read? Oh, God, I love this fucking show.